Hi, and welcome to The Terror Test. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And as fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories, production, monster quality, and scare factor, to decide whether to admit them into our sacred horror canon. In this podcast, we will put horror movies to the test to determine what to watch next, what's worth revisiting, and what to recommend to the uninitiated. Number two pencils ready, and begin. Okay, Cronenberg, Cronenberg, Cronenberg. Yes. So uh, this week we are watching Scanners in Videodrome. So two more Cronenberg movies. Uh, we loved Shivers so much. It made its way into our canon, and now we're going to watch more. Yeah, and I feel like we'll talk about them. And this is my first time watching, I mean, mostly any Cronenberg. Like I'd seen The Fly. Okay. Um, I'd seen, um, what's the one that's more fantasy that I always forget the name of? Nightbreed. He's, he's in, in it, that, but, but he, he didn't, didn't make direct it. it. Yeah, um, that's like been my experience with Cronenberg. But I feel like this is a rabbit hole that all horror fans should eventually go down. Yes, um, like you would with like Wes Craven or, uh-huh. um, or uh, Clive Barker or anything like that. So uh, I was really excited to watch these. Yeah, he has had a very influential career in horror, yeah. um, and so we're gonna start with. Uh, the 1981 film Scanners, which obviously was written and directed by David Cronenberg, starring Stephen Lack as Cameron, Michael Ironside as Daryl Revick, and Patrick McGowan as Dr. Paul Ruth, and Jennifer O'Neill as Kim Oberst. So let's get started. All right, so quick synopsis. Um, we're dealing with psychic abilities, yeah. scanning. Mm-hmm. Um, basically there's this sort of underground war going on between a corporation and the phenomenon of scanners. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who has been coping with it, um, has to, it basically stumbles upon, would you say like stumbles into, or they find him, the corporation. Yeah. Um, and then he has to basically choose a side. He goes basically as an undercover agent to try mm-hmm. and investigate the sort of the lead underground scanner. And just chaos ensues. Yeah, or uh, any X-Men movie synopsis would be just yeah. about the same. Mutants right? finding their place in the world, corporations and governments trying to exploit uh-huh. their abilities. You have the extremist who wants to take over um, versus the... Yeah. The hero who wants to use his powers for good. That's exactly that's what I was thinking the whole time. Was Professor, like, Professor X, and X and Magneto. And Magneto. Yes. The whole now, time. this this came out before any X Men movies. Yeah. I mean, X Men were still obviously in comics, um, and so as I'm watching this, I, I am trying to like put that out of my mind a little bit. Um, because I think it's become a really familiar story now. Yes. But I think, but I think that's the, the theme that those themes are the themes of that era. So like, I think I told you in passing that a lot of this reminded me of Firestarter both in the book and the movie. Mm -hmm. It's during that time when, um, uh, you know, our governments are, are, or at least prior, I guess prior to when the movie was made, when our government's actually looking into psychic phenomenon to try Mm -hmm. to use it and weaponize it. Like that's on the the minds of the people at that time yeah and also it's it's revealed near the end that uh scanners were created from um women who took a certain drug when they were pregnant 
And yeah. so it's a man-made thing. And, and that has, uh, that's happened throughout history, I believe, where um, you have uh, either the government or companies uh, having, making women, you know, pregnant women take substances and it leads to recalls, mass recalls because of, mm-hmm. you know, deformities or whatever. Um, that actually made me think of, uh, well, well, like the current lead crisis in, sure. in Flint, you know, or I think, I think of like the, like autism conspiracy theory, yeah. like yeah. that it's, you know, vaccinations, immunizations that are causing this mm-hmm. phenomenon. Okay. Um, we haven't officially gotten into production yet, I'm, so why don't you read us? That. Sorry, we're just going no. off. That's and that's because we're we're getting like into it, like with monster quality and that's and true. production. It's true. All right, yeah. Start with <laughs> production. Just drifting off. Um, but that. But you know what? Cronenberg make movies make you do that. I, yeah. There's there's a lot of depth there. There's a lot to talk about. So. Uh, Production quality, we're looking at that the film is timeless in the power and effectiveness of its writing, direction, acting, cinematography, special effects, iconography, and portrayal of its subject matter. So production-wise, um, I always I feel like with all Cronenberg movies, you have to start with practical effects and just say, duh. Like, yeah. They look great. I, yeah. I'm not even bothered by, like, well, this one's famous for the head explosion. Yes. Um which comes so much sooner than I expected, <laughs> and then I loved it. Yeah. I feel like you need that in the beginning to show the sheer force and power of, like, what it is they're dealing with, why these corporations are both scared and want to, like, harness this power. Yeah, it does a great job of uh, setting up the stakes. Um, this is the power of the scanners. Mm-hmm. And I think I think sound is huge in this movie as well as part mm-hmm. of production. That is ultimately what makes people want to give it a point because, it's like, you are experiencing what it's like to be scanned while mm-hmm. you watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, because that high piercing sound kills me. It it works, and and I haven't. I don't think I've seen it done this way before. Um, and and so there is. It, it is uh, painful to some degree, which is what it would be like to be scanned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you could only imagine, like, if you had this on mute, it would be a bunch of people like shaking their heads and falling to the ground yeah that, i thought really about ridiculous that. all the cuts without the sound would yeah yeah especially even that end fighting scene uh-huh like take out the practical effects and then take out the music and, <laughs> and it's just two guys, two guys just staring, staring at each, each other, other twerking their head yeah. <laughs> so it it could be really goofy but i think but he pulls I, it off yeah there i didn't have any moment where i guess we're like it's my um uh, suspension of like belief or of disbelief just like held on throughout. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree that um, the final fight I think looks great with those effects mm-hmm. of like the veins yeah. coming up and popping and yeah. eyes exploding. Um, I would say the scene with the group scan is a little hokey. <laughs> with the <laughs> light in the middle, it's so like seance. Like Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also thought when um, when Cameron scans the computer, I thought All that the explosions, <laughs> everything explodes. Everything it can be an explosion. Like yeah, explosion so forceful <laughs> that people fly through windows. I didn't know that computers had that ability. Yeah, even then, when the size size of like filing cabinet.
like didn't know that there was so much explosive. Oh, yeah, but like to me, that, that that's when it got a little silly. But I think you can explain it away. Like it's his it's his power that's just like exploding through that that's like blowing them away it's yeah not, it's not actually just the explosion mm-hmm. but i thought the effects part of that is cool like with the goop going through the phone and yeah like yeah. all of that but everything just like catches on fire and explodes <laughs> anytime a car yeah you know, runs into anything in this movie it's like the isn't that a simpsons gag yeah it, it's i've seen it it's um, just explosion places yeah um so I, it's kind of hokey but yeah I, I still think it's it's well made um i think the actors are great michael ironside is a great villain it's cool to see him so young because um, i think he passed away not too long ago but Mm -hmm. he's always kind of been the the bad guy Mm -hmm. um but here and and i think it has to do with he's the best actor in this i think yeah, he's you know, the most he's, memorable. Yeah, yeah, he's the one, like, his delivery of the line. Sometimes the dialogue for me in this, like, falls flat a little yeah. bit. It's just, like, line, line, line. I, I, I would say there there are moments that I really liked. Um, like, I, anytime Michael Ironside is in it, I think it's great. Um, I, I like Patrick McGowan as the doctor. Um, I think he is interesting, and he, he does something that's a little different than, like, a normal mad scientist. Um, like there are scenes where he almost seems bored having to like explain everything. Um, I also really like the scenes with the artist. I don't remember his name. Mm -hmm. Um, but both the the scenes like at the gallery where you saw the art on display and then also in his studio. Um, I just thought that was (laughs) meeting inside the head. Yeah. Yeah. Just really visually cool. And I thought that actor did a good job. Yeah. It's great. So, so I'm. I want to give it a point. Yeah, I. I feel like obligatory with Cronenberg production is going to be. Yeah. Good. Even though it's we said the be other one, you know, it shivers. It was dated, but um, production. I think I, is great. I think the only flaw for someone might who who is watching this may be you know I've I've seen this storyline before in X Men movies or in superhero movies, but I think that it's. It's done in a unique way, sure. um, and it's done in a thoughtful way. Yeah, I like the, the thinking of writing. Like, I like the twists. Yeah, um, I'm not saying that all of them are not predictable per se, but I think it's effective. Like the mm-hmm. the story and the plot move and change when you want it to. Yeah. Um, so monster quality. So the film's monsters are frightening. Clearly relate to archetypal fears and have depth. So like we were talking about before, that fear of like. I don't know, uh, government or some like corporation mm-hmm. messing with genes and babies. Yeah. And... Yeah. I think that's part of it. Um, I also think this idea of terrorism and mm-hmm. um, like terrorists developing some kind of weapon or technology that from which we can't protect ourselves mm-hmm. um, because we're pretty much defenseless against scanners. Mm-hmm. Um, besides us normal drug, humans unless they shoot unless the yeah unless they're given the drug so um you know i think that um is used pretty effectively um and also just the you know having psychic powers esp um yeah i think i think they do have depth since we're able to talk about um at least it's you know talk about it as a, a scanning like as a metaphor 
um, for various things that are frightening, like you said, with terrorism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is, is it is it portrayed as a monster though? I feel like the read on it is that we shouldn't be afraid as long as it's being used for good. I don't know. Well, I would say Revic is definitely the villain. Sure. I mean, he's he's our antagonist, so he's the monster. Yeah. He kind of embodies this power being used for the corporation. Yeah, the corporation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, to to look at Revic the character, um, apart from Michael Ironside's great performance, um, I think he's a really interesting character. Like, I love that video of him um, where he had just, like, carved (laughs) out that, yeah, um, that he just scarred himself and he had drew the eye on his patch. And um, I think that he, yeah, I think he, he makes for a great villain. So I'm inclined to give this a point. Yeah. I think it'll give it a point for monster quality just because we can read into um, all sort of the, the social commentary of the monster. Mm-hmm. And ways. also this again, kind of feels like X-Men, but um, you know, a, a group of outsiders, um, you know, what, what does it mean to be an outsider? Mm-hmm. Um, and be hunted. Yeah. To be <laughs> hunted. Yeah. So those are, you know, deeper archetypes that we've yeah. seen. Cool. What about scare factor? So the film has a clear intent to scare and must be successful in that objective from beginning to end. This doesn't really meet it for me. Yeah. I, great, I love the movie. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't call it scary. Just like how even... Stephen King's Firestarter, I wouldn't call it scary. Yeah, I don't know if the intent is there. Um, it's definitely not successful from beginning to end. Um, I mean, that exploding head scene, that shows up on a ton of lists of, you know, top 10 scariest scenes or something like that. Um, I think that's effective. And I think the final scene is effective. There's some like gross out horror mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah, the rest of it feels like an action movie. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's. Yeah, I th- feel like it's. Uh, yeah, it's maybe an action movie with uh, horror elements. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't put it in the canon of horror movies. I would say, like, if you're a horror fan, if you not really seen many Cronenberg movies or this is one of the first, I think this would be a great like introductory. I think it deserves to be an honorable mention. Yeah. Um, I think so like too. I'm not going to give it a point for scare factor. Um, but I think it could, it, it does qualify for honorable mention. And I think it deserves to be in there yeah. um, for the horror elements that it does have. I think it, they're, it they're iconic. Good. Like you said, yeah. I mean that the gif of the exploding head is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and the, oh, man, I have to say that that I find the art that comes with because you let me borrow the Criterion DVD collection of yeah. it. The art inside that is amazing. It's as good as the art in that gallery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that to me, I mean, that's scary. That's like horror art mm-hmm. uh, as a part of it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I like. No, I want to buy that, but I wonder. <laughs> like, is there a Blu-ray of that one? What do you mean? Of scanners? That is is the Blu-ray? Yeah. No, it's not. It's Blu-ray. Oh, I played the disc on the computer that plays DVD. Well, there are multiple discs. Oh, okay. Oh, the one that says Blu-ray on it. I should have watched that one. (laughs) 
okay. All right. I'm yeah, buying so it. I'm it's buying a it. Blu-ray DVD combo, which yeah. a lot of Blu-rays fancy use nowadays. Yeah. They just have both. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. But it's, it's the exact same movie. Okay. I'm going to buy it. Okay. I'm buying it. The packaging of that Criterion Collection is amazing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we've got that. <clears throat> now we're going to move on to Videodrome. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Videodrome. Yes. So, so wait. Let's let's say first, like, when you first uh, put the idea out there of watching Videodrome, what is it you told me about this movie in relation to you as a person? Okay. So this is one of my favorite movies of all time. So full disclosure, um, when we first started this podcast, it this is one that I've wanted to do from the very beginning that we've all we've always talked about doing, um, and yeah, this this is easily in my top three movies of all time, yeah. next to Blade Runner and Apocalypse Now. Videodrome is, and after I watched that. I, I told you that I feel like I learned more about you as a person from watching this movie. So what did you learn? Um, I learned that and in, in other conversations, I feel like something that really scares you mm -hmm. is how we interact with technology and movies and media. I feel like even though you enjoy the interaction mm -hmm. like thoroughly, there's an element there that is horrific to you and what it can do to people. Yeah. Um, and then maybe also what it does to us internally. Like, I feel yeah. like maybe there's a lot of good from watching stuff like this, but there's also that darker side. And I feel like that's what comes out here. Yeah. I mean, I love Black Mirror. Is that astute? Can I? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I do. I, I really do. I, and like, it's funny saying that once you watch the movie, because there is that, like, there's like a snuff uh -huh. porn element to it. But really, that's not what the movie's about. Right, right. I mean, it, that is what Videodrome is, mm -hmm. but so that's why it's kind of funny to say that I learned something about you from watching <laughs> it, but that's not what I mean. It's just a joke. Yeah, I mean, the um, like the snuff elements, um, that would be more like, um, oh, I, I, I don't know, J just like the uh, torture porn yeah. genre, um, which I don't know if we've done anything in that. Maybe besides I feel Cannibal like it's Holocaust. on the uh, yeah. I feel like, like it's on the horizon though. We're yeah, gonna do I'm sure we'll get to hostile. It. We're gonna do yeah. Um, but you're right that the horror here, and we'll get to this when we talk to monster quality. When we talk about monster quality, is not necessarily just the the snuff aspect of it. Um, there's so much more to this film. Yeah. Um, so starting with production, what do we think? Is it timeless? I'd say, like, even the tech... Because you would think in this movie that the technology would seem dated yeah, and not work, but maybe it's just because of where we are right now, it just seems sort of retro, and mm -hmm. then um, it's because the technology that's in there is sort of... Parts of it are invented anyway, Yeah, so I still think it's timeless. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, he's... It, using VHS cassettes and, you know, old, you know, TVs. Um, the VR headset looks pretty ridiculous. Um, but, I mean, at the time of this recording, the Oculus Rift just came out, right? Right. And so that's, I mean... That's not too far out there. I, I, it yeah. actually, I mean, it just looks a little bit more... 
like smaller and sleeker than what's in here, but exactly. So it's in our world now. Yeah, and so I feel like everything in the movie that there's even though the technology itself has changed, I, I feel like you can find comparisons to mm-hmm. everything. What did you think about the like the writing, dialogue, acting? James Woods. Love it. James Woods plays paranoid to perfection. I yeah. believe uh, he also is kind of a notoriously paranoid person, um, and so I think that that was a brilliant casting choice. Um, I think he's great. I love the writing. It's this. It's so subjective. It becomes impossible to tell what's real and what's not real. And I love that. Yeah, it definitely rewards multiple viewings. I remember the first time I watched this, I was an undergrad. And it was late at night, and by the end of it, I was also really sleepy. But I was thinking, like, is this a dream? Like, what? <laughs> Am I missing something? Like, what's happening? And and so since then, you know, I've watched it uh, several times, and I'm able to take something new each time. And it, but yet, it still maintains this dreamlike quality to it which i just love and it doesn't feel superficial because i feel like that's a comment we had about a field in england it's yeah. going for that i'm um, totally two different movies but yeah. I mean, it's going for that no, sort of exactly like, um uh that idea where you can't tell what's real what the characters experiencing yeah. and so but this is way more effective yeah and with with the field of england it felt like there was no there there and in Videodrome, it just, like I said, every time I watch it, I just go deeper into that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it gives me something new to think about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I think it's just fantastic. I think uh, Debbie Harry as Nikki Brand is great. I think it's more than just stunt casting the lead singer of Blondie. I think she um, is great and she's gorgeous. Um, let's see. Oh, so many just amazing images in this. Very iconic, very suggestive. Uh, Like the videotape comes alive. Uh, Him making out with the TV. Um, Yeah, even just when the technology starts to look like flesh and it's like throbbing and pulsing, Uh it's really disturbing. The, um, The gun that becomes attached to his hand... The gun that comes out of the television set. Um, and let's just call it, let's just put it out there, the stomach vagina. The let's stomach just, vagina. It's the stomach vagina. Yeah. Um, there's just so much here um, that is is just so uh, surreal, thought-provoking, and iconic. Yeah. I just... I, yeah, I have to give it a point. Of this. And surprisingly, I find it funnier every time I watch it. How so? I don't know, just in little thing, little moments, um, like uh, James Wood's performance, he just does a lot, like really subtle, small things that, I don't know, after just watching it, and uh, it just cracks me up. Or um, like this time, I, I felt like the, um, near the end when he goes to the uh, spectacular optical show, like the <laughs> spring line, um, and they had like dancers and this like <laughs> sort of ridiculous play. I was just cracking.
waking me up this time. Yeah. And I, so, so my like my brother and my dad are in like retail business. Yeah. And so that <laughs> it's funny because when they talk about going to conferences like yeah. in Vegas, I picture that. I know maybe it's kind of sort of like that Vegas, but I I hope. <laughs> that and it's so funny because it's for eyeglasses yeah and they do shoes so i just hope it's the same i just want it to be the same so badly yeah so i just i feel like there's a lot of humor there um but it's very dark oh sure and it doesn't take away from the horror of it so okay point point for sure so monster quality so what, let's first identify our monsters so we can say um Let's start with technology. Let's start with the obvious one. Okay. Um, yeah. So we have technology literally warping your brain. Yeah. Um, you know, for any anyone who believes that media is the cause of violence, I think they could make the argument in this movie. I think yeah. they would uh, see that message. But I think there's more to it than that. Do you feel like... So going off of that idea with technology, do you feel like virtual reality is the monster or reality is the monster? Like actual reality. Because like you have it with the, um, what's his name? The the doctor uh, who, who the, can the only appear on a TV. Professor Brian Oblivion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just that once you find out that he doesn't exist, he just made these videotapes that now exist. So yeah. the idea that he, you know, it basically questions our existence if we exist um through technology through video or podcasts um do we does that mean do we really get to live forever yeah i mean that question is being asked by a lot of writers today you know um why you know uh why why do people take so many selfies why do people feel like they have to document everything well that's what i mean do you think it's portraying virtual reality as like a utopia like as the perfect because that's where our imagination can exist that's where really true perfection can exist and then reality is the monster or is it vice versa uh i think i think that's the new flesh i think what cronenberg is saying is that's where we're going not that it's better or worse that's just where we're but headed. it's just it's different and that's where we're going Long it's so the eerie. New flesh. It, yeah, it's so eerie because we're here. Yeah. We're like implanting devices in us. Yeah. Yeah. We're already there. Um, I think another aspect of this is um, our desensitization of mm -hmm. violence and pleasure. And we got into this a lot with Hellraiser. Um, oh, yeah. That, but I think that this theme is here, covers yeah. that as well. Yeah. Um, both Nikki and Max are stimulated by graphic images. Like there's the scene where they're making love, not by like the light of a fire, but by the glow of a television screen. And, you know, he starts piercing her and it's really uh, yeah. gross. And she burns herself with a cigarette. Yeah. Um, just have to like keep upping the stakes yeah, of that experience. Which is what Videodrome, the program ultimately is it's, it's like the ultimate uh sensation mm -hmm. and so um i think that is also kind of the, the social satire where like that's the logical conclusion that we'll get to there's there's not even a storyline anymore 
it's just torture. Mm-hmm. It's just horror. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, I think we could probably think of examples of movies that are pretty much that, that mm-hmm. pretty much reach that. Um, and so I think that's that's part of Cronenberg's message is that ultimately, you know, this is this is the extreme. This is sort of where we're headed. Gosh, so much to think about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, have to give a point for monster quality. Yeah, and, and I, other... I agree that, um, you know, what you were saying about, you, you know, our relationship with technology. Um, here, Cronenberg just fuses the two. Like, he, you know, he, he, he puts a VHS tape inside of him mm-hmm. or... The gun, which is a piece of technology, it becomes part of him. And so, um, or or the tumors that are developed Mm -hmm. um, because of technology, just like this weird meeting of flesh and technology. Um, And I think Cronenberg is very uncomfortable with that, or at least. Well, I feel like. The writing makes it seem so. It's something, and you know, this is like really my first experience with Cronenberg, but one thing that I'm noticing is that. He wants to make um, he wants to make the flesh grotesque. Yeah. Right. So all the sex scenes mm-hmm. are usually like so like animalistic and stripped down and just to yeah. show how gro- we saw that in Shivers. Mm-hmm. I feel like you see that in Videodrome where yeah. like the, the the sex is monstrous, just mm-hmm. like the technology is monstrous, and then mm-hmm. this they're just fused together to become this new monster. Yeah, the label body horror um, has been used to describe Cronenberg and. Yeah. I think that's the best label we can give it because yeah. it does he does make the body horrific, you know. Yeah. Um there seems to be like a just a deep discomfort with um our natural selves. Um you know, we are very cerebral beings, but at the end of the day we're in these flesh mm-hmm. husks. And that is, I think Cronenberg is uncomfortable with that. Yeah. That's my read of it anyway. So, uh, yeah, I feel like there's so much here. Um, we didn't even get into the conspiracy, like the, the Videodrome conspiracy, right? Where it's um, Barry Convex and the pirate Harlan, they're like, manipulating James Wood to become this assassin. Um, And so it's been this like... In order... So did I read it right? Like, they're doing that in order to sort of spread Videodrome to weed people out to, like, get rid of the population that would be, like, uh, sort of entranced or, like, taken by Videodrome? Like, they want to just get rid of that part of the population? Yeah, like, they're... They order him to go kill Bianca Oblivion. Right. Um, who, and this is like more social satire, who, who's, in, who's in charge of the, um, oh crap, what, what's the, uh, the mission called? The, uh, oh, where they have the homeless people. Yeah. To watch cathode ray mission. Yeah. Yeah. Where she believes that, People watching television, like, uh, will is like, will cure them. Mm-hmm. Sort of will, like has an opiate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so 
he goes to kill her, and then that's when she kind of turns it around, and right. he becomes manip- manipulated by her. Um, and that, yeah, since so we're talking about monsters, I mean, that is the glaring monster, too, is like, you know, are the, I guess you could say, the developers or, like, the creators of this media, is it being used for, like, nefarious purposes is yeah. being used to just like dull us as a species as a society how are to, we being manipulated yeah yeah by that i mean it goes to the extreme in videodrome where they is physically manipulated by yeah. the media mm-hmm. um but what is it doing to her head so mm-hmm. oh, so good yeah um i think I w- so what did you think about the ending like how do you feel about the ending um well it's interesting in the special, well, let's talk so what is features. the ending so he He's become his assassin. Uh-huh. He's decided who's, uh, I mean, can we say he doesn't take a side? Or oh, on, no. He's I, on I the side he of does. the new flesh. Yeah, which I, I think is when he goes to kill Bianca Oblivion, she uh, it, she, she puts a new tape in him, right? Yeah. And so he uh, is manipulated by her. Right. And so he's carrying out her orders, which are to kill Barry Convex, the head of Spectacular Optical. Right. And so he does that. And so uh, then he goes, he, he's on the run. Um, he goes to this abandoned ship, right? Um, and hides out in there. And then all of a sudden there's a television um, that gives him one final thing to do it, it shows him uh going next to the fire pulling out his gun saying long live the new flesh and shooting himself and then you get him actually doing that mm-hmm. um and so i think that i it, it's open to interpretation and this was actually developed while the film was being made like they didn't have an ending, mm. and so this was sort of a last minute thing. But I I can't imagine it ending any other way now. Um, I I think it's it's kind of carrying out the final order. Um, I I think ultimately he's being manipulated. Mm-hmm. Um, he just becomes an instrument. Yeah, and so I I think that the last order that was in Bianco Oblivion's videotape was to kill himself. Mm-hmm. But I think so you it could also it be read choice. as like the tumor taking over. Mm-hmm. And so that it's just all hallucination. It's nobody manipulating him. It's just, he sees that. And so that's what he does or he shoots himself and then kind of Put lives on Oh, in some yeah. in the new flesh whatever that is so mm-hmm. he's getting rid of he's discarding his old flesh mm-hmm. i mean that's what i love about it it's just there's so many movie. ways to read it i don't think there's a right something i was going to mention too so going back to dr oblivion where they go when he finds out that he's dead and all that's left is videotapes have you seen that kubrick the documentary about kubrick and his boxes Oh, uh, of, like remind his notes. Me. Um, so there's a short documentary out there, and I think it is just called. Uh, I'll have to look it up, but it's called I think Kubrick's Boxes or something like okay. that. But um, after Kubrick's death, uh, his entire home is just filled with notes and photographs, um, um, and these file boxes um, that nobody knows what's in them. Um, and there's uh, 
uh, it's narrated by uh, John Ronson. And okay. he goes in and, and sort of exhumes a lot of this stuff to try to sort and archive and go through this. But mm-hmm. that stack of videotapes reminded me of like that picture of Kubrick's. Yeah, so that house. is how he lives on. <coughs> I mean, exactly. apart from like his films, obviously, right? That's that's how he lives on. That is his new flesh. Yeah, on the page. Yes, in the pictures. Yes. Um. So, lastly, scare factor. This one had so much. I feel like the intent is there to scare us. Yeah, and that we're supposed so. to be afraid of ourselves, of the media, of mm-hmm. the potential of technology. Um. I feel like it's more, way more clear cut in Videodrome than it is in Scanners or yeah. even. Um, even in, in a movie like The Fly, which we can talk about, but I, I would love to rewatch it and do it on the podcast sometime. Yeah, because I feel like with Cronenberg, at least what I'm finding out is that his intent isn't always just to scare. Mm-hmm. It can be more for whatever his social commentary that he wants to make. Yeah, um, and then uses horror elements. I feel like this one has like a balance of both. I yeah, I feel like it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I and it's mean, scary from beginning to end. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the torture scenes are really unsettling. Um, my, my wife won't watch this movie and, and, and if there, there are times when she would just walk by and <laughs> just be totally grossed out. Um, I think when Barry Convict Bex is killed and he's just kind of like exploding, mm-hmm. that's really, um, unsettling and weird, um, and just the ideas in there. This is like the perfect example of cerebral horror to me. Just like the ideas of of television, get, like putting a tumor in your brain and mm-hmm. making you hallucinate and question reality, and then you become distorted because you're not sure what's going on in the movie. And so, um, I, I think it's it's scary in itself just the ideas yeah I, uh i think i was maybe 10 minutes into the movie and then that's when kristen came downstairs she's oh, like yeah. what are you watching and it was like just showing the the cut of video drum oh yeah <laughs> what are you watching? um so yeah i mean i have to give it a point okay for sure great so then video drum is yeah. in the can i feel like I, f- and I feel good about the decision just because it is so much more clear-cut as a horror film. Yeah, I mean... In its intent to scare. Every time I watch it, I am still scared. And uh, this this was always clear-cut for me. But I'm glad that you agree. Yeah. So, I really enjoy it. I'll have to watch it again. Yes, yeah, so definitely go Real out and watch Videodrome. Great. All right, so... In the uh, in about two weeks, so for Friday the thirteenth, I guess this will just become a tradition until we uh, finish all of them. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna randomly draw two um, Friday the thirteenth movies from the list we did last time. We did Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Um, and the remake mm-hmm. of Friday the thirteenth. Um, and so we have the remaining ten in a hat. We're gonna draw from them and see what we get. Come on, Jason in space. <laughs> Let's go, Jason in space. So I'm going to take this one. Oh, we've got the first one. The original oh. Friday the 13th. Okay, well, good. So we'll watch Friday the 13th, part one, and Friday the 13th, part five, <laughs> the new beginning. A new beginning. Hey, that's hey. perfect. The beginning <laughs> and the new beginning. Um, okay. I'm, I'm nervous about that. <laughs> All right, well, yes, so join us for 
our Friday the 13th episode, it will be a bloody good time. <laughs> Great. All right, that's it for this time. Uh, thank you for joining us at the Terror Test. You can check out more episodes at unoyasolstice.com, E-U-N-O-I-A-S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E.com. Also check out the Outrider podcast for interviews with authors and aspiring writers. That's it for today. Pencils down. The Terror Test is over. <laughs> <laughs>